Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Welcome to our friends online. I know I saw Greg and Laura and some others joining before I walked away from the screen. So good to see you all this morning. Uh, As she said, we're going to continue the series uh, that we launched recently called The Gift of Risk. And we're going to continue. We're going to look at Luke's telling of the Christmas story today in a portion there uh, considering the risk of Mary and the idea of facing your fears. Just before we do that, let's jump in and have a word of prayer. Invite the Holy Spirit to come. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for gathering us together here today. We thank you for the presence of your Spirit already in this gathering. Father, we thank you for your word as we begin to look at a familiar story. Father, we ask that you would take what might be very familiar and illuminate it in a fresh and new way, Father, as you invite us in this Advent season. Come Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, well, as I said, we're going to look at Luke's telling, and I'm going to start, uh, this is Luke chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 26, and we're going to read a little ways, and then we're going to stop just as we did last week, and we're going to focus on one particular verse, and look and pull some things out. But let's just read together, if we would, to start. This is the birth of Jesus foretold, Luke 1, 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. I lost my place. There it is. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed. Who else can relate to that? (laughs) You know, the way this guy shows up. Don't be afraid, Mary. There's that phrase again that we talked about last week. We said appears so, so many times throughout these stories. Do not fear. Don't be afraid. The angel told her, For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. Well, Mary asked the angel a very logical question How can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Here's the verse that I want us to focus on this morning. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. I want to look this morning at Mary's response. 
Because as we shared when we began this series, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And this encounter that Mary has with the angel invites her in, just as I, as I shared before. This, this risk is a gift because it's an invitation into an experience, into a relationship with a loving God that sometimes asks us to do things that don't quite make sense or might not be looked upon favorably, might not make all of your friends pat you on the back and say, yeah, but that was a smart move. No, just as we looked at with the story of, of the ark and Noah, you know, he, he didn't become popular when he decided to, to build a boat in the midst of a drought. That didn't make him look smart and put together and on the wise path to success. Well, in the same way, the invitation to Mary is not going to make her look good in society's eyes. It's going to cause questions. It's going to cause gossip. It's going to cause trouble for Joseph. Like all of these things are going through her mind when the angel comes and, and gives her this message. And, and I, don't, I don't want to sugarcoat this or, or pretend to know things that we don't know, but I can only imagine that this must have been a frightening experience for Mary, just the experience itself, the encounter itself. And then in the midst of that, to begin to have those thoughts of what are people going to think? What's going to happen? What if, what if Joseph, you know, what if, what, uh, and, and isn't that what happens when, when fear comes in? We begin to ask all these questions. Because if we're honest this morning, a lot of times the root of our fear is the fear of man. We're, we're, we have a tendency Maybe some more than others, but we all have some level of tendency to be concerned about what are people going to think. What are people going to think? And so Mary probably has all of these things rolling around in her head as she considers this. But I want you to notice right off that her response comes from a place of identity. The first thing out of her mouth, I am the Lord's servant. Mary, despite her fears, despite the uncertainty of the situation that's unfolding in front of her, knows who she is. She knows her identity. I am the Lord's servant. Then she goes on to say, May everything that you have said of me come true. Now, I want to spend a little bit of time here because obviously the Lord has foreknowledge. He, he knows what's going to happen, and he knows our hearts. This is so important because, see, I don't believe that the Lord uh, chose Mary because she had some high social status or because she was positioned just right. And I think the primary reason that the Lord chose to use Mary is because she knew he knew that in her heart, Mary was a willing vessel. He knew that he could trust her to follow his voice. And, and, and this is what we're trying to develop. This is what faith looks like for us, is that when the Lord speaks, we're willing to say yes, even if it might cost us reputation, 
even if it might make people question us, even if it might make people wonder if we've got it all together up there. You know? Like, are we willing... When, and, and, you know, I can, I can add this caveat, you know, when it's the Lord. It doesn't mean that we follow every wind and, and whim and thought and thing. We, as we said before, we, we need to have a process of, of co-discernment. We need to lean on the wisdom. Of, you know, so there, I'm not going to preach that message. There, there are processes that we go through to discern. Are we hearing the voice of the Lord? But when we're certain that it's the voice of the Lord, are we willing to be used by him no matter how it makes us look? And here's, here's the, the scary part. I can't come up here before you today and actually promise you that those are all just fearful thoughts. No, the reality is sometimes it will cost you your reputation. Sometimes it will cost you a relationship. Sometimes it will make life with your family more difficult. Like, these can be very real realities because not everyone is willing to follow the voice of the Lord into the wilderness, into those risky places, into wherever it is that he's taking you. And so that cost can be very real. But if we're certain that it's the voice of the Lord, are we willing? Because we will never accomplish the things that we're called to if we don't make ourselves willing vessels. And I love the example of Mary. I mean, because those pressures that we were just describing are so very real. Those, those societal pressures, the, you know, I don't even know if we can fully appreciate the weight of those things that she's likely considering as she decides, even in the face of those, to say yes. Yes, uh, to phrase it a different way, here I am, Lord, send me. Mary was a willing vessel. Now, the next part that I want to look at for a minute, because she says, may everything you have said about me come true. And we talked about last week the, that we need a word from the Lord. It's one of the things that we need to like get where we're going. And, and if you notice, it was worded carefully. It's, it's not just that we need the word of the Lord. We do. This, this is of, of utmost importance. But the point was that we don't just need the word, we need a, a word from the Lord. In other words, we need that personal, specific thing that he said over our life. The specific things that he's calling us to walk into with him. And so Mary accepts that word of the Lord. What you have said, Lord, let it be true. She's willing, she recognizes the word of the Lord, but but what I love about all of this is, is you know, in the midst of this intense encounter and, and saying yes, she says, may it come true. And then the very next thing is, and then the angel left. Like, doesn't that just kind of seem like a letdown? Like, I thought you were going to, like, you know, like, give me some onboarding or, you know, like, help me, help me walk. What, because, what, I mean, she said yes, but surely she still has a million questions. You know, how would, you know, we say this all the time, what is this going to look like? You know, I, I might say yes to something. Okay, yeah, I think the Lord's leading me there. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. But what does it look like? How do I get started? What do I do when I run into this problem? Or when, you know, It's like, there's a million questions, but nope, the angel left. See, sometimes we, we sort of live under the wing of, of someone else 
And then there's a time where we have to go out on our own. The angel left, and this is when it becomes real for Mary. Because some might speculate, uh, you know, in the experience of, of the manifestation of the angel and the heavenly glow, like, maybe it's a little easier to say yes in that moment. Like, because, I mean, just be honest for us, like, you know, if the Lord were to come down and appear to you in person and personally ask you to do something, you know, unless you're worried that maybe you're just hallucinating, like, you're probably going to say yes, because he's there, he's in front of you, it's tangible, there's a glow, there's an experience. But what do we do? Does that yes that we said still hold when the angel leaves? When, when the rubber meets the road, you, you can sometimes, and you know here, one of our, our values in the vineyard is that, that we don't need, like, emotional hype. You know, we believe that the Spirit will move, but we don't have to, like, frenzy ourselves up into some state of ecstasy for the Lord to move. But the thing of it is, even, even with that value, there can sometimes be, in a moment, in a gathering like this, in the presence of other believers, as the Spirit moves, that you say yes to something that the Lord has put in your heart. And that's great. I love that. But does that yes still hold when you wake up on Monday morning and go into work and things don't turn out the way that you thought they would? When the thing that you said yes to actually makes your life a little bit more difficult. When you come up against resistance... Now, fortunately for us, the, the presence of the Lord doesn't ever leave us. I mean, he says, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so we have him with us in all of those moments, at all of those times. But if we're honest, it, it can be harder. It can be harder once we've said yes, when we begin to actually go do something. And so I want us to just consider that this morning, that Mary's yes required in other words if we can put it this way the word of the lord is like a deposit to her the lord comes and speaks to her through this angel and deposits this sort of prophetic message anytime the lord deposits something in your life it requires stewardship in other words the lord can do something in a moment and then the responsibility is passed to us what do we do with that thing that the lord has deposited Saying yes is, is the first part. We, we must say yes. We must accept the word of the Lord. But the real risk is in continuing to carry that thing and to steward it day to day, hour by hour, moment by moment, as we run into inevitable resistance and difficulty and things not turning out the way that we thought they would. In order to, to be fully walking into the destiny that the Lord has for each of us. It requires that stewardship. It requires continuing to come back to him every day. Now, here's the good thing, too, though. Again, we have access to him 24-7. So when we run into those things, slow down. When we run into those things, sometimes my brain goes faster than my mouth can keep up. I don't know if anybody can relate. But sometimes... When we run into those things, we can ask the Lord those questions. Like that's part of that stewardship process. 
okay, Lord, I said yes to you. I thought it was going to look like this, and now it doesn't. What are you doing? What's going on? Why, why does it look this way? What's the next step? Because, honestly, for most of us, if we look back over times past, as difficult as it might be to say yes initially, that's actually the easy part. It's the walking it out. It's the gift of risk is the gift of faith. And for everything that the Lord has called us into, we need a greater and greater measure of faith. Not just to say yes, but to actually stick with it. One of the things that Brittany and I sort of determined in our hearts years ago, when we very first uh, started in ministry, was that uh, regardless, uh, we never had a specific goal as to whether or not ministry would be a vocation. Like that, that wasn't the important part. Uh, it is for me, and I, I love and appreciate that the Lord has allowed me to do this for my vocation. But one of our primary, like, overarching life goals was whatever it looks like, we want to do this thing called ministry in a way that we can do it for the long haul. We don't want to be a flash in the pan. I don't want to, you know, be the next hot thing and burn up in two years and be done. We want to do this for decades. Like, because we see that model in Jesus. Like, even though Jesus was only here on the earth for a short time, the rhythms and the way that he did ministry was sustainable. And so we've said from the beginning, we want to do ministry in a way that's sustainable. So we want to steward the things the Lord's doing so that we can do it for a really long time. And so it's one of the ways that we've approached things over the years as that everything the Lord has deposited, we want to steward that in a way that we remain healthy. But here's the thing. Sometimes that might make you go a little slower, but it also actually might require more faith. Because as you get a picture of things that the Lord's calling you to, as you get a vision for what it is the Lord wants to do in your life and in the life of those whom you lead, it actually takes more faith to slow down and let his process work, to follow him in the difficult moments, in the slow moments, to be willing to let your plan be adjusted you know, this is, this is maybe one of the most common pitfalls, especially for me. I'm a person who tends to be pretty future-oriented in my natural thinking. I, I, I kind of like to see further down the road. I like to have a picture of where I'm going and what things might look like. That's a gift. But the, the trap that can exist in that is when you look that far down the road and see a picture of where you're going to go, you might naturally stop leaning on the Lord so much in how you get there. In other words, if you have a clear picture, a clear vision of, of to use the, our same language here, of the destiny that you're moving towards, it can be sort of easy to be like, you know, thank you, Lord, for that, and then I'm going to go get it. Like, <laughs> I'm going to run down the road till I get there. And I may have shared this, this illustration with you before, but uh, one of our coaches early in our journey, uh, 
pastor from North Carolina. Uh, we were at a at a regional meeting. Uh, this was probably six months after we had moved to North Carolina. We're just getting involved with a new church plant. You know, we're very much in a place where we're figuring a lot of stuff out. And and t- t- Pastor Tom said to us, he said, you know, I, he had found in his years of experience, he said, life in ministry and even life as a believer, he says, it's much more like a dance with the Holy Spirit than it is like a straight line from point A to point B. He said, and it can be really frustrating as you go, and he sort of waltzes you over this way, and spin, you know, it's like as you're doing that, you know, like you don't, you're not able to even keep your eye sometimes on where you're going, and it feels very disjointed and like all over the place. And Lord, what are you doing? And there's dips and there's spins and there's all of this different stuff going on, and then one day you turn around and you realize. This is where the Lord was taking me. I I never thought I would get here. I thought, you know, uh, because it wasn't a straight line. But that's the goodness and the kindness of the Lord that he's going to actually carry the responsibility for taking us where we're going. Our responsibility is the stewardship of what he's deposited and the obedience to his voice and to his leading in that dance. Because the thing that we often don't realize is that in order for us to get where he's taking, he, taking us, he also needs to develop us so that we can operate in that place in a healthy way. In a healthy way. And so in that process of trust and obedience and following the dance of the Holy Spirit, what he's doing is he's actually developing that faith that trust, so that, to to bring it back to our story here, so that when the crazy thing happens, when he asks the big question, the thing that's scary, that's really hard to say yes to, that makes no sense, that causes all kinds of fear, we've developed a pattern of trust that gives us the gift of faith that we actually can say yes that we've seen his faithfulness time and time again, that he has proven himself, that he has a track record of leading us, that we can actually come and say, Lord, this makes no sense to me. I don't get it. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know what people are going to think, what they're going to say. I don't even know what the next step is, but I trust you. And from that place, we can say yes to some things that others might call us crazy for, right? That was the risk of Mary. And, and you know, it, it's probably obvious, but I, I, I love, you know, this message is the risk of Mary. And I intentionally put her on the slide with that abbreviated, because it's spelled R-I-S-K. It's also the faith of Mary. And, and we know that faith comes to us as a gift. We, we can't earn it. We can't stir it up. But it's built in us over time. As the Lord gives us deposits of faith, as we work with him, as we follow him, as we're obedient to his call. And, and, and that's the thing. You know, the Lord doesn't have to prove himself for his own sake. 
in his kindness, proves himself again and again to help us build our faith, to show us, I really am who I say I am, child. I really am that good. I really am that faithful. He, he, he's he's going to prove himself. And so this morning, we're invited in, just as we said last week, to the risk, in this case, of Mary. The risk that Mary took to see. And now we, it's easy for us to look back now and, and realize how pivotal this yes was. We're, we're actually the beneficiaries, all of us. Of, of Mary's faith, of Mary's yes, to be willing to steward a, an actual, literal, tangible deposit that was the Son of God. Like her yes was so crucial. I want to show you a, a short one-minute clip. Uh, it might be familiar to some of you. Um, this... Well, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'll talk about it after. A recollection. And here comes this guy walking along, and he's got one of these signs, like an Eat at Joe's type of sign, you know, front and back. And on the front it said, I am a fool for Christ. And on the back it said, Who's fool are you? Well, when I saw it at the time, I thought, Oh, weird religious weirdo, you know, he went by. But here I am, all these years later, I'm kneeling on my friend's living room floor, I'm sobbing, I'm suddenly realized that I'm making a complete fool of myself, and I said, and I remember that thing. I thought, that's it. That's it. I'm going to be his fool. That's it. And I resolved in my heart at that moment that from that point out, I was going to do the foolish thing in the eyes of the world. I didn't know it was going to be the foolish thing in the eyes of the church, too. (laughs) Uh, I love that. Of course, that's just a a tiny excerpt from a much longer uh, video. And, And... of course, that's from the 80s, so the quality on the video is not great. But if you couldn't tell, that's John Wimber, one of the early leaders. Um, and many consider he, he's not the founder because there actually were vineyards that existed before, but he would uh, be considered by many the father of the vineyard movement. Uh, took it from a small group of churches, and, and, and it grew uh, to the thousands of churches around the world that it is today. But I love I love that illustration. I'm a fool for Christ. Like he he determined, as he said in his heart, that he was going to choose to do the thing that looks foolish in the eyes of the world. My 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 parting thought to you this morning, as we wrap up this message, is don't allow fear, especially of of man. Don't allow fear to keep you from your prophetic, not your prosthetic destiny, (laughs) your prophetic destiny. Choose to be a fool for Christ. Choose to be a fool for Christ. Father, in Jesus' name, we just ask you, Holy Spirit, come. Father, speak and move. And as we prepare to to join together and worship you through music, would you just come and dwell among us? Would you encounter us? Would you make fresh deposits here this morning?
And then would you give us the faith necessary to say yes to those things and to steward those deposits until they come to maturity. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.